Good morning, Interweb. Welcome back to the Artifact Scene podcast. In this month's admittedly very language-heavy episode, the unexpected connection between Isaac Asimov's Foundation series and trash Irish TV, further musings on word order, name analysis, and the weird world of the Irish genitive, a choose-your-own-adventure con-nanging document, Nance Climate Zones, and those pesky, pesky companies are setting up colony towns in Hoi Tan. All that, plus lots more, in this month's episode. So today's show, uh, or this month's show, um, is going to be a little bit format breaking here in that I don't have like a big conlang thing to bring you in the main part of the show. Um, so we're, we're going to have just like a, a hotchpotch, a hotchpotch assortment of follow-up and things before we do some world building. So um, a bit of a weird show, Bill and listeners, but here we are. That's fine with me. So... The first thing I want to bring up, completely unrelated to everything other than it's conlanging related, is I was watching uh, the Foundation or Foundation, a TV series on it's on Apple TV Plus. Oh yeah, based on yeah, based on the books by um, Isaac uh, Asimov, mm-hmm. and the it occurred to me that there seemed to be two conlangs, at least two in the show. Uh, one spoken by the people of Anacreon, which is this planet. Another one spoken by the people of. Uh, Thespis. Um, those are two I could pick out. And they seem to be, um, you can kind of tell when there's a conlang and when there's gibberish because there's kind of like a, I don't know how to describe this, like like a, like a rhythm. You can hear repeating elements, like repeating grammatical elements and things. So it f- feels languagey as opposed to random nonsense. So this felt languagey to me. And I was like, oh, I wonder if David J. Peterson is responsible for this as well because it's nearly always uh, DJP. Um, who who's making up languages for these shows so i went and did a bit of googling turns out bill connection to ireland here that apparently the conlang creator creator conlang the, the creator of the conlangs is one fanula murphy um who is an irish uh, actor and linguist and who is most known here for her role in mrs brown's boys oh which is the weirdest thing ever. So for, for listeners who are not in the UK or Ireland, um, Mrs. Brown's Boys is, uh, I would consider it extremely trashy television. Um, that kind of, it, it's meant, it's a kind of like a Friends-like sitcom comedy where it's like, let's make fun of a kind of inner city um, Dublin people, basically. Um the, us cultures, us people who live in the rural areas, we seem to really like it because we get to laugh at the Dubliners. Um, and I just think it's complete trash anyways. So from this sort of trash show, I, did, I didn't realize that one of the actors is like a professional linguist on it. And certainly didn't realize that they were a conlanger as well. So that blew my mind to go from like trash, crap comedy to kind of like highfalutin sci-fi and conlang kind of it fried my brain so there's another name that is I, and i think i believe uh fanula's these are fanula's first um i guess commissioned conlangs so i suppose there's a new name in the fray now so i just found that very very interesting and it it is the same it is like she's an actor as well like it's definitely the same person also someone with the same name According to IMDb, she is credited That's as working on Foundation. Awesome. 
Yeah, and she's not, she doesn't star in Foundation. So, and I, again, I went through Reddit and things like that. People saying who was the creator of this, and all all things pointed towards uh, Fanula Murphy. Just that's yeah. neat. It's just such a mad, mad thing. Um, and yeah, just I thought I'd bring that up. I realize again for people who are not uh, from the Greater Silly Isles, Mrs. Brown's Boys means absolutely nothing. I'll leave a link, I suppose, to some no, YouTube don't, clips. Don't. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> you don't you don't like it either, Noville. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I, can I ask terrible. why? Why is it terrible? Do you think it's terrible for the same reasons that I think it's just like low hanging fruit? You know, taking the mick out of inner city um, Dubliners. Well, I'd I'd push back on on that specific a little bit um, because <laughs> your man who makes it, what's his name, Brendan Brendan Carroll. Brendan Carroll. He he is like a, a working class Dubliner himself. So it's kind of like a affectionate um, in 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 making fun, um, mm. but it's just it's just like really really um, yeah low hanging fruit kind of crass um, yeah coarse. the The only thing that I'll say in its defense is. Um, they they do have a very loose uh a, a approach to like the fourth wall and they they like corpse a lot and they leave it in um and like that's corpse? kind of entertaining corpse. yeah like they'll they'll start laughing during takes and things oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that, that, um, I, didn't, I did not know that term that that is fair um yeah and i, I kind of appreciate that but no it's it's just god awful Okay, I'll leave, I'll leave a link to the Wikipedia page. How would that suffice for, for the non-Greater Salonians? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's a first item of language stuff. Uh, more incoming, Bill. Um, these are all kind of in a bit of Languages. a haphazard order. So just, you know, we just need to uh, go with the sort of like um, assortment here. Um, it's like a licorice all sorts of follow-up. Um yes. <laughs> uh, I have a correction to issue from the previous show. Okay. Um, you had mentioned, uh, I showed a chart of word orders, uh, and you were like, huh, does this chart imply that no word order can change into SOV? Because mm-hmm. SOV seem to be at the head of the branch. Again, I will put chapter out here so you can look at this chart. Um, and I said, yeah. Uh, which was wrong. I was just very enthused to talk about how, um, by the analysis of various people, SOV is kind of a very um, old word order um, and a very basal sort of word order. Um, I completely forgot that in the paper where this chart comes from, if you go down a few paragraphs, they have more charts and uh, they explicitly show that going to SOV, uh, you just come from free word order. So you can go through the chart as shown in the previous show and then from any of the, I guess, the VSO or VOS or whatever, um, you just do a free word order thing and from there you can go into SVO. So it is cyclical. There's no kind of like, um, uh, it's not a one-way thing. Everything can turn into everything else, basically. And how do you Um, get, can anything turn into free word order? I don't recall the chart off the top of my head. I do not have it in front of me. I'll put it in chapter art. Okay. Um, I yeah. I don't. I don't want to say another wrong thing and have to issue another correction. Um, maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe during break, I might look it up and issue a a a live update. 
<laughs> on it. Um, so yeah, so just a small correction there. Um, numero three um, <laughs> for the language stuff is, again, Bill, I, I, I gotta say, actually, before I say this, I love the way your brain works in the previous show. Like, you just have this sort of knack of asking questions that, like, I don't think to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, like with the, huh, that chart seems to imply that nothing goes to SOV. I just never asked that question. I was just kind of like, oh, cool. Here's a bunch of nice pathways I can use. Um, Simmery. Your brain is spectacular. It's true. <laughs> it's spectacular. Uh, Simmery, you asked about, we talked about subordinate clauses and how in subordinate clauses you can have archaic word orders. See German. Mm-hmm. And you were like, could you have a whole bunch of different orders um, in different subordinate clauses. And I was like, that seems a bit weird. And then followed up with like, I wouldn't advise doing it anyways, because um, if you're going to have this cool feature, flaunt it, you know? Um, but Keras Sarian on, I think it was on my Discord, uh, I asked him and he pointed out, and I'm such an idiot for not realizing this, that this kind of happens in German. Um, so for non-German speakers, when you use the word weil, which is because... Um, you have the main clause is standard like SVO uh, word order. Then you use the word while uh, or vile. And then what comes after that is in SOV order. So the example here is der Mann isst einen Apfel. So the man eats an apple, an apple. Weil, because er hunger hat. He hunger has. S-O-V, right? So the vial triggers this uh, sort of archaic order, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you can say the exact same thing um, using the coordinator, I suppose, uh, Dane, right? Which also means because. But in that instance, you get der Mann ist einen Apfel, den er hat Hunger. So der Mann ist einen Apfel, SVO, den, because er hat Hunger, uh, hunger he has Hunger. Um, SVO again. So the different, there's sort of the different words in German um, give different orders. So that is kind of, I guess, how you could get there uh, if you wanted to have a bunch of different orders in subordinate clauses. Now, it's not as simple as that. Again, according to, I can't remember the source, um, the Dane thing in German isn't really subordinating, it's coordinating. Um, so it's a little bit different. I tried tracking the etymologies of these various words to see whether or not they're like lexical sources implied why there would be a change of order at all. And I couldn't really get anything there. So I would be reticent to do the German thing here because there's, it would just be, it would be kind of like, oh, we're just doing it because German does it, but without any sort of like historical motivation. And so my, I think my point still stands from the previous show. If you're going to have a funky word order in subordinate clauses, have it everywhere. Got a feature, flaunt it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Make sense? Yes. That's an interesting example, just like reading them out here and hearing you speak them because um, the the second one, the subordinating uh, example, their man is standing up for valer hunger hat, feels very, very German and makes me think, oh yeah, that's correct because the verb is at the end. And then mm. reading the other one, der Mann ist an Apfel den er hat Hunger, feels really right because that's how you'd say it in English. It feels very English, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so, like, both um, of them feel correct to me. 
Oh, see, that's mad because I guess when I'm speaking German, my brain goes into full German mode. And like, I never use the word Dane. And I believe it's just fairly rare anyways mm. for people to use Dane. Um, and when I hear their man ist ein Apfel, den er hat Hunger, I just think that's like, you're speaking English, but with <laughs> German words. And so it's like, that is wrong. Don't do that. Use vile, please. Um, so, and they yeah. have the exact same semantic meaning. Like they, there's no difference in like strength or, or connotation or anything. I think you'd have to ask an actual German for that. But according to the internet, yeah, vile and Dane are in this context basically just mean because. Es gibt um, keinen Unterschied inzwischen. Yeah, vielleicht nicht. Wir müssen ein Deutscher fragen. Yeah, um, okay. So we have Germans in chat. Uh, Germans in, or in the Reddit at least. Um, D, well, D-F-Y-Z? What was, what's the series of, of, of that, the one German chat we have? I can't remember their username. Uh, <laughs> you know who you are. Get in Reddit. Tell us why we're wrong on this. Um, yeah, I'm a terrible person to ask because I never use this Dane construction um, mm -hmm. at all. Um, okay, so that was uh, some follow-up from the Lang stuff on the previous show. Uh, item number four. Um, we have more Lang Sub stuff. Sub-item 4A. Sub-item 4A. Uh, we have more Lang stuff, which I might actually... Let me skip this one because this is kind of relating to... Um, no, no, we'll do, we'll do it now. We'll do it now. Um, we talked again last show uh, about the uh, Abeski language, and we're we're talking a lot about um, uh, what headedness the language might have based on the words uh, that you've come up with. Um, headedness, headedness is the you know the order of modifier to the thing being modified. So, like in English, we say good person. Uh, the adjective which modifies person in this case comes before, but in Irish you'd say, uh, I guess, dini ma, um, where you'd say person good, and the good comes afterwards. So there's a different head in this. English is kind of head final in this instance. Uh, Irish is head initial in this instance. And we were picking true words to try and establish um, where we might be coming from. Um, I guess first off, uh, I would like to ask, have you had any thoughts based on what we talked about in the previous show, because I've had thoughts and I think I have a cool idea, but I'd like to hear where you're at, if, if you're at any place at all. Um, I'm not really at any place at all. I, I find it hard to keep all of the moving parts in my head, to be honest, because um, yeah. I'm not used to thinking conlangingly. Um, so I'm not sure that I have any explicit thoughts at the front it's very possible that you will say something and i'll think no not that um but which is fine which is yeah fine. um i see this this is going to sound more lofty than it actually is but i kind of see this as, as me being a sort of architect sort of role like i will dream up a house for you and then show you the plans and then even though you're not an architect you might be able to tell me why the bedroom is too small and i'll have to change it so it, it's kind of like that um, so I encourage you to be like, no, not that. And I'll okay. just, I'll make it happen. Um, if, if, it, if, uh, if I possibly can. Um, so here's my thoughts, right? Um, I was thinking about it and I, I really do think that, um, some of the comments in Reddit, notwithstanding, which we'll get to in a second, I really do think that the, the way your words are laid out, it kind of implies a head, uh, final lang, Right. Um, okay, so pre-nominal adjectives. 
pre-nominal adjectives plus a whole bunch of other things, yes. So essentially not really compatible with SVO, right, which you want. But, okay. but following on from what we talked about, I think there might be an opportunity to do something fun here, and that is we might be able to say, uh, and we, we chatted about this, that in the proto-lang, we have an SOV lang, right? So if you want to see uh, the man sees the dog, you'd say man, dog, see, right? Mm. And that is um, head final. Um, yeah, so the, the modifiers would basically do what your words seem to be implying in that sense. Now, I think you're, it's really cool that you want to go to VSO. I think we might be able to do a French thing here, which might be fun. Um, so we, we basically keep... No, let me... Now, let me explain it, and I'll, I'll go into more detail. Um, what what we can do here is you can take the word, take the sentence "man dog see," so a man sees a dog, in SOV order, and you can do what kind of like colloquial French does: take "see" um, and put pronouns on it. So you go like "he it see," so that's still SOV: he it see, right? And then comma "man dog," right? So he sees it. The man, the dog. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And then the he and the it, those pronouns, collapse onto the verb. So he, it, see becomes one thing, right? And then we're left with a verb with a bunch of pronouns on it, then a subject, then an object. So we're left with VSO. So we can kind of move from SOV straight into VSO. um, And we could say that a lot of the modifier orders just retain the positions that they were in in the head final stage. And it's only the kind of main order that switches up. So you'll end up with a bunch of like, you know, adjective noun, but you have a VSO lang. And you also have a thing called per- polypersonal agreement, which is kind of fun and cool. Um, is, is that what? how the verb is like, agrees with with um, the subject or what? And the object, right? And the object. Because oh, because it's poly. It, okay, cool. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and plus, it can agree with more stuff as well, but just at a sort of basic level, it's the subject and the object, uh, which is in contrast to, you know, English verbs, Irish verbs, where they agree with the subject. Like, he walks. We modify walk to indicate that it's a third person. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, uh, I don't know any polypersonal languages off the top of my head, but in a polypersonal language, or I don't know how to speak them, in a polypersonal language, you'd modify a thing kind of twice um, for subject and object which would be cool and would very much settle apart from like, an because we, we want to be careful we don't do too much Irish stuff here. Um, mm-hmm. So it would settle apart from that and it would kind of get around all of our, um, I guess, modifier order issues, I suppose. Like, so under the hood, it's head final because of where it came from, but then the, the overarching order has shifted. And maybe in a future Abeski, the modifier order would shift as well. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, like where it's kind of, we're in a sort of, transition period in the language the modern language yeah. is in a transition period which i think is fun and adds a sort of um historiosity um to it um so as always i mean if you have thoughts now shout them out uh, plus and or go away and think about it and or let me do what i gotta do and then present it to you and then you go no and then i fix it my initial thought is that sounds neat cool okay Cool, cool. Um, it'll be a fun challenge for me because I've not done any sort of polypersonal stuff before. Um, so that would be kind of very interesting for me as well. Um, so yeah, okay, I'll take... I'm going to do that then. I'm going to assume 
head final basically everywhere, but for the, the sort of dominant world order. And we'll see what we get. Cool. Cool. All right. Uh, now, I said Reddit comments notwithstanding, there is a bunch of, there was a bunch of Reddit comments to do with our favorite character, Yarte Yartlin, mm-hmm. um, because we, we started analyzing that second name, Yartlin. Um, what the Yar part is obviously the name, what is Hlen, what sort of grammatical thing would that be, etc. And uh, you've read through the Reddit. Is there anything in there that pops out to you that people brought up um, to do with uh, this um from to, yeah fr- from what we discussed last week uh, or last month rather damn it's the first time I've done that in a while <laughs> uh, <laughs> from what we discussed last month um I I, I feel like Yartlen or like Tayartlen is more of a fixed name not like necessarily referring to Yar's own personal circumstances that like it's a family name in the way that we use family names in the modern West. Um, if that changes anything, I don't know. No, no, you just, it means Johnson. Yeah. 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 But not that he's literally John's son. Yeah. And this was based on uh, a comment by Crid, wasn't it? Uh, well, yes. Yeah. Crid did, did address this. Okay. So I'll just, I'll read out Crid's uh, comment here. Um, one idea that I had during discussion about the possible meaning of Yar Te Yartlin, if it's Yar Yarsen, and if we're still going uh, by actual father's name and not the thing where we have people just take their parents' last name, then we would basically be Yar Junior. So it could be that this culture's way of doing that. But then I thought maybe Hlen could be Junior. So Yar, son of Yar Junior, that is Yar the Third, and that could solve the head initial issue, um, etc. So you're you're saying not something like that, more like more like Johnson, where it's like he's not actually John's son. That's just mm-hmm. become baked in and has just become a stock surname. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's kind of what I what I'm thinking towards. I, I love Crid's idea, though. That's that's yeah. really kind of good lateral thinking. It <laughs> I is. I really like that. And also on the subject, of Crid. Um, Index Diachronica, I'll leave a link in the show notes, is this wonderful sound change resource that I use constantly. It's made by a person called Crid or Crid. Um, are you the same Crid? I wonder. Please let me know because do we have more conlanging royalty listening to this show? We had Graham last week and now do we have Crid? Like, it, it, that would be astounding if that's the case. So do, do reach out and let us know because um, it's a very unique name. A username. So I'd imagine, I'd imagine this person might actually be the Crid, which is just that would be pretty mental. cool. It would be mental, mental. Um, yeah, everyone go check out Index Diachronica. You, you, it's it's amazing. It is such a wonderful, wonderful tool. Um, so again, speaking on the uh, speaking of the Yarte Yartlin sort of stuff, uh, we have a thing here from Svenge and Oslo dentist. Um, with a comment in the Reddit. Uh, and again, I'm going to read it out because it's quite short. Um, I actually like the idea of e being a loan word. So this was on the topic of what e is doing, that mm-hmm. word. Um, I actually rather like the idea of e being a loan word, uh, making even the world in the Ibeski language, a culture whose primary narrative feature is their colonialism, something taken from another group. Now, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Because I'm, 
I, I don't know if I agree with, with, with going down this route, but I, I want to hear what you think. Um, so I have always thought of its use as... Um, it, it is a proper name. It's not the world. It is Earth. Earth is in dirt? No, as in capital E Earth. It is the name of the planet. Not... It's the generic word that means the world. It is specifically about that specific planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, and I'm not sure how much I've actually used the word Ecairn in writings from Ecairn. I'm not sure how much like it's actually been written down in my extant corpus. Um, so yeah, I'll have to think about the usage of it, whether it is just like it, it's just the world or whether it is, as I was thinking of it, the specific proper noun, like the specific proper name of the planet that they're on. Um, and I I can't articulate exactly how, but I think it's important to to know that humans are not native to Ikeran, and that's been established, and they're more or less aware of that. They're more or less aware that they came to Ikeran, they came to that planet from somewhere else. Mm. Which, I feel, which I feel is relevant somehow, but I can't exactly explain why. Oh, I, for sure, because, like, we have the word Earth, proper noun, Mm-hmm. Uh, for our planet. But if we were to go places to a different planet, we wouldn't just take that word with us. Mm-hmm. It would be it would have to be a different term. But then again, they have been there for a very long time and mm-hmm. languages have evolved and changed, etc. So, you know, it could easily be that the, the proper noun just becomes the generic word in, in a lot of usages. Um, yeah, no, see... Okay, so so what I was thinking based on uh, Svenge and Oslodentis comment there was I was like the the idea of the word for where you live, like like the earth, you know, mm-hmm. uh, being lone being a lone word seems just seems a little bit weird to me because that I, I just can't understand why a, a culture wouldn't have their own term for that or why they'd feel the need to to borrow in a term. Um, because, you know, uh, something like that could be, you know, tied to cultural things. Like, I don't know if this is the case with the actual word earth, but you can imagine like, you know, you work the earth, you have a connection to the earth, you come up a term for the dirt and then it gets like metaphorically extrap- uh, extrapolated to mean the whole planet, etc. It'd be weird to just shun that and bring in a borrowing. Mm-hmm. But th- when you mention the, <clears throat> they, they are not of this world, um, who are of this world? The Hoytani are of this world, correct? No. Oh, so none of them are of this world. No, no humans. No humans. Does, is, does anyone speak, any native life form speak on this planet? I don't think so. Mm. See, I was immediately going towards kind of like, you know, a bunch of colonists show up and they go to the locals. What do you call this place? And they go, Ikern, and they go, grand. That's our word for this place. Um... I could see that being a thing, but if there, if if no one else speaks, then where are we borrowing it from? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If we were to borrow it, yeah. Um, because I don't really understand why then the Abeski would borrow it from the Hoytani if both of them are kind of in the same linguistic boat in a way. Um, so I li- again, Svenge and Oslo dentist. I like the thinking, but based on what you said, Bill, I wouldn't. I don't think that's a, a route to explore. Um. Yeah, n- not necessarily in in that sense, 
that it's it's taken from another uh, culture on Ikern. Yeah. Yeah. But I do like the idea of kind of linguistic colonialism here. It kind of, you know, sells a sort of branding feature of this culture that we do colonialism. Here's yeah. a word that demonstrates. I really like that idea. just don't think it, it, it quite works. Um, Not for that specific instance. N- correct. Correct. Um, and then finally, based on Reddit comments, I gotta say the Reddit was bloody on fire during this month with suggestions uh, with language suggestions. I loved reading these things. Um, we have one here from Billy Isn't Well, which I'm really sad for Billy. I hope Billy gets better soon. Mm. Um, I'm going to have a bit of a cold, but I'm, you know. <laughs> Billy, do you, uh, would you feel offended if someone referred to you as Billy? Billy doesn't suit you, Bill, I don't think. Do- <coughs> yeah, I, I don't go by Billy, no. Yeah, so in general. There's, there's like three people that, that, that called me that. Oh, are they all old? Um... I mean, I can't even think of the... Th- I mean, I think there is that, but I can't even think of who they all are. The only ones mm. I can think of are old, yes. Yeah, because it sounds like... It's a very kind of diminutive sort of thing, you know, mm-hmm. little Billy. Um, whereas Bill, Bill sounds like, a, like an adult. I think it could be an old man as well. I think it's a good old man name. Yeah, but see, it all plays into the cyclical nature of life, man. See, I think <laughs> that... <laughs> no, I genuinely mean this. Like, I think that as we age, we return to a fetal state. Um, basically, we become children again. Like I noticed from caring for my father, because myself and, and the captain constantly joke about how we have a toddler, except that toddler happens to be seventy plus. Um, they have the same needs of a toddler very often. Like you know, um, brain, um, mental capacity returns to that of a toddler. So like I really feel like life is this sort of big cyclical thing, and that's why I think that these sort of diminutive-ish nicknames kind of work well for old people because it's like. It's like they are returning to that state, but also infantilizing them in a way is kind of a cool thing because like no one wants to be old and on death's doorstep. So if you're a little Billy and you're 70 plus, that's kind of like, I am a young man. Yes, I am. That's class. <laughs> so I, I'm with you. I think it totally works uh, both for young and old, but not, not for you. How, how do you, sorry, tangents. How do you feel in general with people, you know, giving you nicknames? Because I, I can't stand it. Like, like my name is Edgar, right? Just just call me Edgar. Like sometimes people will just unprompted be like, "Well, Ed, how are you, Eddie?" And I'm like, "No, like please don't do this. Like it's it's Edgar, you know." Uh, and maybe in my case, it's because you know in Ireland, Edgar is a fairly unique name, and I don't want it. I I, I it feels wrong to me to have it boiled down to a fairly common thing like Ed or Eddie. Mm-hmm. Um. And I kind of want to like, like, I got this unique thing. Like I want, I want to flaunt it, you know? So I hate it. How, how do you feel when people call you? Like if people were to come up and just unsolicited Willie or, or Billy or whatever. It doesn't tend to happen with adults. They, they, they tend to just call me what I'm, what I'm called. Um, or, you know, and if, when people do call me Billy or, or Willie or Will, um, I tend to, you know, unless it's someone who I know does that, who I've known for a long time, um, I will tend to just say, you know, just Bill, please. Um, for other things, like more obviously, like fun ones, like just calling me B or Big B, stuff like that, I'll, <laughs> I, I, I don't mind. That That's not an actual example. That was just the first type of one that came to mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really mind. As long as it's like someone who I... I'm I'm cool with it if it's if it's a stranger or an unpleasant person. I don't like it, obviously. You know that from now on, you're just going to be referred to as Big B. 
in all communications on the internet? Uh, I... Nah, some people will still call me Bill. <laughs> I, I teach in a lot of primary schools and a lot of students, like, when they see me coming, will, will like, say, Billy's here and things like that. And I have to be like, no, not just just Bill, please. Just Bill. <laughs> wow, you must have been a better teacher than I am because I, I, I never heard an explanation from a child when they saw me coming. It was never like, yay, our teacher here. It's like, oh, Christ, our teacher's here. He's got to... He's going to berate us for not having practiced ever in their entire lives. Yeah, I, I don't do that. I mean, you know, uh, carrot, not stick. Uh, and make it, make, you know, make, make fun out of everything that, that I do is what I, what, I, what I try and do and try to get them to, to engage in it. Make it all yeah. fun. A definitely better teacher than I am. I th- th- that attitude is clearly the right attitude, and I and I had it at the start of my teaching career, and then after, I'm gonna say after maybe five years of it, I was like, the, the carrot ain't working here, pal. <laughs> like, like these children, these children are not learning, and they're never practicing. And I've been trying to be really nice about it with them, and it just doesn't work. So I, I became a bit of a a bit of a hard arse with them. Um, but I'd like to think that I rewarded them profusely when they actually did do some work. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was quick to, I used to make a point, sorry, so many tangents here, folks. I'll, I'll shut up in a second. I was quick to always, whenever a kid who who didn't ordinarily practiced, uh, practice, actually practiced, I made a point of like marching them out to their parents, you know, himself and myself or whatever, out to the parents and being like, your son needs all the praise in the world. Like he went and practiced absolutely amazing keep it up and then the kid always felt like really gratified by like oh i'm i'm really special and like my teacher's happy with me and my parents are happy with me and that sort of carrot stuff but like yeah most of the time that just never materialized it was i don't know how you still do it man it's soul destroying teaching music because it's just like this thing you love and just kids butchering it all day long it's like did you practice johnny no sure why would i do that like jesus johnny well, so most of what I'm doing at the moment is in classrooms. Um, so it's a slightly different context. Um, mm, mm, mm. Uh, and even even with the, the one-on-one stuff, I don't know. I just, I, I really like most of my students. And I teach, I teach a good few adults as well. And I like teaching adults. And yeah, I don't know. I dig it. Yeah. Adults aren't wild animals. It's always preferable. Um <laughs> Anyhow, anyhow, sorry. I'm so sorry. Tangent, folks. Um, Billy isn't well. Yeah, we were going to read out Billy isn't well's comment. Uh, Billy says, I think the E in E. Cairn could be a proper article rather than a definite article. Um, it would be really cool to have a three-article system instead of the prototypical two. Um, I think that it's a feature in Maori. So it is a feature in Maori, and it's basically um, the way this works, which is kind of... A bit a bit weird for English speakers to think of is if you have a noun that's a unique entity, you can put a the on it, basically. Um, so it'd be like seeing, you know, it'd be like, it'd be like saying I saw the bill uh, because bill is a unique sort of entity. Um, you kind of get this in German. I think Germans are going to shout at me for just putting the wrong example here, but it's definitely present in German uh, where you can say something like um, ich habe, um, I don't know, like der der Waldraut gesehen. So like I saw Waldraut, uh, but I saw, but literally you're saying I saw the Waldraut, which is mm. weird in English but totally doable in in other languages. So that's another fun thing, uh, which doesn't actually play into like the etymology of that word. Um, but it it kind of is another 
interesting idea because I would have just gone with like the um an article a proper like not proper a a normal article so to speak um any thought things in that there what what are are your vibes do you like the vibes of that do you have thoughts does it invoke an emotional reaction in you bill i'm not sure whether i want a besky to have articles interesting no articles at all possibly because there is the kind of the slavic thing going on okay okay i was thinking maybe none but I haven't decided. Um, uh, if we do have it, uh, I think proper articles would be a fun one to have. But I, I, I do feel Ikern is just, it's just a, a single thing. It's the name. It's a single word. I don't, yeah, because it's, you know, it's not two words. It's not Ikern. It's Ikern. But, but, did, but sorry, but didn't you say that like orthographically you usually write them as two words? I absolutely never do. Oh no, you said the op- opposite. I said the exact that. opposite of that. <laughs> Sorry. You're dead right. Yeah. So you E-Cairn, write them as two words. <laughs> e cairn is yeah, is, is one word. Uh w- w- the romanization man, is is there any way that can be changed to a it, there's no way you'd ever write it with an I out the front, is there? Um because using the, the Y there for because I don't know, I feel like you'd kind of have to do that. Well, you wouldn't have to do across the board. The, it just it weirds me out because it's just not standard sort of uh, romanization. Uh, but it's fine. It's it's fine. That's not a that's not a battle I need to fight. Actually, not think about. Um, <laughs> so those anyway, those were some ideas from the Reddit. I, I got to say, I really had fun this month, and I hope this keeps up in the future when we talk about say articles and people throwing ideas. I absolutely love it because um, I really don't think of myself as the most skilled uh, conlanger. And I mean that in the sense of like, sometimes I'll just like, I guess, overlook interesting pathways. And I really enjoy hearing others um, talk about their interesting pathways because I feel like that's a thing I'm kind of lacking in. Um, so the more the merrier, folks. Keep it up. Class. Um, right. Uh, point number one, two, three, four. Uh, point number of fünf. Um, more, more language stuff, Bill. Are you ready? Languages. <laughs> so much In this stuff. podcast. It's more likely uh, than you think. Uh, we set off before recording. There should be good balance here because you're going to do world building in a second. So it'll be like first half, all languages, second half, all world building. Kind of cool. Um, so I, this is a, a, a large ish point. Okay. So, so there's, there's a thing called Bill called, uh, Langtime Studios. Okay. Uh, it's a YouTube channel, uh, and it is run by David J. Peterson and his, I think, fiance, not currently wife, uh, Jesse Peterson. Um, and I, I think she's going under Peterson at the moment. I just, I can't remember for sure. Um, and the basic shtick is that they are creating a bunch of languages for animals live on Aww. stream. It's really, it's really cute. It's really, it's, it's really cute and also mega informative to like get to watch professionals ply their trade live is just i've learned so much from watching them it's amazing so links in the show notes uh definitely definitely go check it out they're currently working on a dog lang or they're currently wrapping up a dog lang and they've done rabbits mice opossums cats and dogs and it's for a board game if i recall correctly that they're making um very cool stuff uh anyway so born out of Langtime Studio was this this project or this idea called Copicon, right? Um, and Copicon was uh, a, um, 
like a Langtime Studio conference. It was held last week, I think it was. Um, it's on YouTube. I'll leave a link. It's an eight-hour stream. It's really good. Loads of heavy-hitting uh, Conlang people spoke at it. The guy who made Ithquil, for those who know, Paul Frommer spoke about Navi, the Navi creator. Uh, David made a language, a language with jelly beans, which was hilarious. Um, Bib was at it. Great conference, right? Um, so two things arose out of that conference that I, I want to flag. Uh, one is I want to make people aware of Jesse Peterson's uh, talk. It'll be, again, linked in the show notes. Uh, she created a document called a Conlang Venture. And it's a it's basically a, what do you call that thing? A um, text adventure. Isn't that what they're called? Where it's like a book and it's like you, they ask you to make a decision and say, turn to page four. Choose your and own adventure. Choose your, it's basically a choose your own adventure conlanging book designed to get absolute beginners in the door. Um, and it is glorious. It is so good and just so interesting. So if you're listening and you're like, I've never done conlanging, I don't understand how to get into it. This is nuts. Go pick up this book and choose your own adventure. And it is so fun. It is really is so fun. And it will it will get you creating and hopefully get you thinking. And then suddenly you're going to find yourself conlanging. And you're like, oh my God, how did that happen? So links in the show notes. Go pick it up. Amazing. Um, that's the first thing I want to just highlight that for people. Second thing is I want to issue an apology to Bib <laughs> again. <laughs> I think this is the second time in the show that I issued an apology uh, to Bib. Uh, he, uh, in his talk, he talked about the newest Lang he made on his YouTube channel. Again, I'll leave lots of links to this. Um, and part of it's in inspiration uh, for um, this language came from Irish and specifically the kind of progressive uh, aspect in Irish. So, Bill, you know the way... Uh, if I said Bill is reading the newspaper, mm -hmm. we'd go Ta Bill is Bill Eglave at the reading on Nuachtan of the newspaper. Ta mm -hmm. Bill Eglave on Nuachtan, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's kind of unique about this is that the on Nuachtan part, the object kind of, is in the genitive, which is kind of weird. Um, so... Bill gave me this sentence. Bill wasn't in it. It was Sean or Seamus or something. Uh, Bib gave me the sentence and, and I corrected him and was like, oh no, that sentence is uh, that's not Bill is reading the newspaper. That's Bill is reading the newspapers, right? Plural, okay? Uh, and Bib was like, oh, okay, I, I, must, I must fix this. He went up and gave his talk at Copicon. I was listening and I noticed that he didn't air quotes, fix it. And I was like, in chat, I was like, I, I, I didn't say you're wrong, but I was kind of like, oh, that should be newspapers. And then I was like, wait a minute. But he also has the singular article there, like on Nuachtan, not na Nuachtan. And I was like, Bib can't be this wrong. Like he's a really intelligent bloke. And I was like, oh crap, am I wrong? So I went digging and it turns out, yeah, I was entirely wrong because it's in the genitive. And listeners, this is all very complicated. I'm sorry, but the genitive singular in Irish for a certain declension of nouns is identical uh, kind of to the nominative plural, right? Uh, which is just very weird. And I was like, this feels so wrong to me. Like, and I, uh, the internet confirmed that this is that the, the way Bill had rendered this Irish sentence is entirely correct. Bib. But I was like, uh, sorry, Bib. Sorry, thank you. Uh, <laughs> the way Bib had rendered this sentence uh, is 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 entirely correct. But again, it felt really wrong. So I went to my Irish teacher taking the Irish lessons and was like, 
I said this sentence and her response was, she didn't really give me a firm answer, but like the vibe I got from her that she was kind of like, I don't know what to do with this sentence. She's kind of like, um, I guess maybe that would be sort of right, perhaps. Hmm. I don't know. Um, and so I was like, okay, we have a person here as a fluent speaker kind of being a, having a bit of trepidation with this, this sentence. So I did more digging, right? More digging. Got a grammar of Irish out. Turns out that this construction is losing favor with modern Irish speakers. And this might be why it feels so wrong. So uh, I'm, I want to try and put this to you, Bill, and see where your vibes are. Okay? Okay. All right. Which feels better? This is a nonsensical utterance, but just grammar-wise, which feels better to you? If I said, ta bill, egg lave, on ear, so bill is reading the man, or ta bill, egg lave, on far, which feels better to you? On far, second one. On far. Yeah, nominative. So the nominative, exactly. And because the, the other one seems radically strange. But mm. it should work because uh, uh, on ear is the genitive form, genitive singular of the man. So a tabilaglave on ear should be technically correct. But I think through the influence of English, um, that's losing favor. And we just render it in. It's not really nominative. It's a common case. It's called. Uh, we just render it like on far, tabilaglave on far. So my apologies to Bib uh, because I potentially, based on kind of native intuition, led him down an erroneous translation part uh, path, but gladly he did not listen to me and he just went with his gut, which is correct. So, <laughs> so just, you you sent, you suggested the nominative, the purely nominative version. Exactly. So yeah. when I read the sentence he sent, I was like, oh, that clearly must mean Bill is reading newspapers because again, the, the nominative yeah. singular looks like, the nominative plural looks like the genitive singular. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you that, must correct that. That's in this case. It's not a general rule. What do you mean this case? Like, that's true for Nuchton. It's not true for every noun. No, uh, no, no, no. I think, no, no, I think it is. As no, in, I'm, 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 I've looked up a bunch of words here and it's not. Give me an example. Uh, gata. The genitive singular is gata. Oh, and the yeah. plur- nominative plural is gati. Yeah, sorry, sorry, uh, sorry, I, I didn't understand what you were saying. Yes, it's for, um, I think it's first declension nouns. Right. If, if you're now in the first declension, this happens to you. But yeah, they don't all pattern like this. Gotcha. Uh, but, 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 by the grammar, if you say like, toss someone, someone is, egg something, you know, at the something, the next noun that follows should be in the genitive. That, that should Weird. be just holding all the time. But again, because of the influ- influence of English, I think that's losing favor and we're just rendering it in an in a nominative, the way we do in English. That's, that's, um, I, can't, I can't see why that would be genitive. That's really interesting. Because, because what you're literally saying in Irish is Bill is at the reading of the newspaper and of there is genitive. Right. Okay. Whereas again, because of the, the, the influence of English, I imagine, uh, mm-hmm. we think of it more as Bill is reading the newspaper there's no of yeah. there do you know what i'm saying interesting um so there's kind of a weird mismatch there so yeah i made an idiot of myself essentially in the copycon chat and i nearly led that bib down a, a erroneous pathway so apologies bib and thank god you didn't listen to me well i mean you're you're coming at it from the point of view of 
like it as a living language that where that feature is being lost. So, you know, I wouldn't yeah. feel foolish about it. Uh, no, no, I'm not losing sleep over or whatever. And if anything, it's more interesting than anything. But um, mm. it's always worth asking, though, like when when it is, lo- if they say it, if a grammar is saying it's losing um, uh, or did this feature is being lost or whatever, the, the follow up question is always like, you know, by who? You know, is this just by people who don't learn it as a first language, for example, mm. because of the strong influence? Is it a large proportion of people that are doing this or is uh, more localized? Um yeah, there's always questions about whether or not uh, how how um, how voracious this change is, basically. Um, anyhow, anyhow, that is finally fifty minutes in. Oh my god, uh, that is finally all of my language slash follow up related stuff. Uh, you have something in here about eCairn, and then we should crack into world building. Um, I do. So in the Reddit in the last um, for the last episode. Uh, I believe it was uh, Rick Jensen said uh, they don't have a clear idea of what the landscape is like, and they've always imagined that it's arid, despite the presence of rivers and lakes. This is um, Ecairn. In Ecairn, sorry, yes, in Ecairn. The, the, Two words. The, ending the Zoom call immediately. <laughs> um what the what the landscape of the the, the region like we, we have our story set in is like and they've imagined it to be arid um but in fact and i i answered this in the reddit um if you have if you can see the map there so most of the the kind of the region around where the cities are is heavily forest so it's it's sort of um dense old old forest then on the across the Usin belt so in the kind of the left here the the southwestern sort of area that will be a mixture of uh, forest and big temperate plains to the north we're starting to get into tundra uh, this is quite a kind of central central continental quite a cold region um, and it does get a bit arid i think i said down around um kind of the south of the anches and around ebwar and things Mm. Um, Hoi Tan would be uh, similar to the center of the continent. It would be very kind of uh, forested. Map is chapter art, folks, and you'll yes. see it later in a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Yeah, if anything, though, I, I remember you talked about this in the past, uh, mm-hmm. but I'd forgotten about it. And I, I think just again, because of the sort of like um, the Russian mouthfeel or the Slavic mm-hmm. mouthfeel of the place, I just always assumed it's just all of it's just Siberia, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what I was. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Basically, that's a large one I'm going for. But I'm not. What I mean, you know, you said you've lots of fo- like I'm talking tundra Siberia, but you said you've lots of forest, temperate plains. That's yeah, but thing. like uh, Siberia is absolutely massive, and like a lot of it would be forested. It, you know, it's not. It's not all just like yeah, frozen yeah. waste. Um. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, mm. Very, very Russian. <laughs> I love it. Um, cool. All right. That is it. Do, do you have anything else on that? Um, no, that is, that oh is kind of it. I talk for 50 minutes. Bill talks for three. But we're going to hear more from Bill in a second. <laughs> so uh, let's do some whirlbling. Sure. Let's do it. So for this episode, um, I'm following up on something new that we learned uh, last month. 
that the the Tamar Company are building sort of uh, uh, colony towns um, with a sort of a penal element to them. Mm. And we're going to learn a little bit about that today. Cool. Dear Benjamin, today marks 40 days since we have taken the first settlers to our colony town, and as agreed, I record here my impressions of the undertaking thus far. Despite my former reservations, the mixing of populations has proven to be successful. Those inclined to volunteer for such a project are not disposed towards agitation, and those relocated from the Lansk camps are unlikely to stand against company authority. Supply is secure for now, and barring major disaster or an influx of bodies far in excess of what has been proposed, we should remain well stocked through to the end of the next season. Currently, the colony is not fully self-reliant in its labour needs. Several trades are underrepresented or entirely absent, with the shortfall being covered by employees from the depot. This is an issue of concern if the company is to attempt another such town without the close proximity of a well-established depot, though it may be prevented through careful screening and selection of colonist candidates. Nonetheless, building has progressed near to schedule and the initial constructions should be complete by end of season. The greatest difficulty has been with company employees. Tiring of long service far from their homes, they have requested greater liberty in crossing from the depot to the colony desiring to meet with unfamiliar faces and take part in freer trade and leisure than that supplied by the confines of the depot. We have kept to strict control of such permissions, but more than a few aviators, marines, and a handful of officers have broken discipline and have been found in the colony town without permission. This policy may need further review. Though it may be assumed that this proximity to distraction would lead to poor discipline, Perhaps relaxing our restrictions would allow those in company service within the depot to alleviate their stresses and lead to an overall greater contentment. As for contentment within the colony, that too is stable and manageable. The opportunities offered here are sufficient to encourage those who may be inclined to despair in difficult circumstances in a more familiar country. Further, the workload is onerous enough to leave many without sufficient spirit for discontent and productive enough to satisfy their desire to progress. There have been no more than a handful of desertions. Of these, two were found not an hour's travel from the town walls, dead from attack by an animal. One was recaptured and punished most severely. The remainder are missing, but presumed deceased. The freshly arrived population know little of the wildlife in this land, and what little they do know looms far larger in their imagination for its strangeness. Many are reluctant to travel abroad of the town, even in groups and accompanied by arms, for fear of encountering an Urselk or worse. The Hoitani themselves are treated with similar terror, not knowing that none should be encountered within many days' travel of this location in this season. It is whispered that those deserters unaccounted for have been taken by local savages. We have not made efforts to correct the colonists' misconceptions. I anticipate your visit and inspection of the colony, and trust you will be most satisfied. Yours, Servet Teovnian, Depot Commander Hoytan.
Nice. Nice. Um, okay. Give me, give me your, the summary thoughts, etc., and I'll chime in. Um, so we've heard from Servita of Nien before, writing to Benvin before. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's happened here is that a colony town has been built adjacent to, or in, you know, near to the the Hoytan Depot, and they're trying to turn it into like a permanent Abeski settlement, a large permanent Abeski settlement. So um, let, let me jump in there for a second. Yeah. So th- this colony town is comprised of uh, the people who are in camps from the last episode. Some of them, yes. And also yeah. just people who volunteered or people who like uh, answered kind of calls for, for labor. Okay. That's okay. What, and it, what he means by the mixing of populations. Some people were, are they kind of like in a sort of a penal situation that they're, they're being... Um, punished some of them are from the camps but not formally being punished just like being relocated uh mock benevolent relocation because the the district was so badly damaged in lansk um and some of them as i said are just like kind of free employees of of the companies yeah yeah but like new new employees of the company who've been told hey come here and be a carpenter in our new colony town and someone goes oh yeah it seems good and goes to work in the colony town so and and where map is on screen where is the uh hoitan um depot um, on hoitan it's on hoitan yeah it's it's to the the south of the island i think okay okay so the, the hoitani hail from hoitan mm-hmm. so is this uh it, this is i'm assuming this is an attempt of uh of the on part of the companies to gain a further foothold in this region yes yeah okay grand so they because so they relations cur- with the with the hoitani people have, have gone very very sour so they're kind of cutting their losses and just trying to like build it, a city here okay and have we talked about why they've gone sour because we had a lot of talk about uh the 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 um what's the word i'm looking for the um sensibilities of the uh, Urthani and the Beski as it relates to one another mm-hmm. um but i don't think we've talked much about what the hoitani what's what the what's the geopolitical situation there um so there was a, a violent encounter between um a, a group of hoitani and a different company i think it was the the valdian company um and ended up like they they killed a lot of of hoitani and so the the hoitani are like very very distrustful of the of the Abeski in general now. So I, I, I really enjoy this because it's like you're, you're using, I, I, I'm, I'm, I take what you said about the mixing of populations and different people there for different reasons, but like a part of it is the people who were in those camps. So the people who uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the companies deemed to be uh, agitators and all that sort of jazz, Pe- like anti-company people, right? Or anti-establishment people. I like the cruel irony here, if I'm reading this correctly, of those anti-company people being sent to a place to do the kind of company's bidding in further helping with the acquisition of territory. Um, that's like a cruel irony, you know? Um, and I really enjoy that. I, I don't know if I'm reading into it uh, wrongly there, but that's how I take it. I really I ha- it. hadn't thought of that, but yeah, that's that's very much um, that's very much there. Yeah, yeah. The t- typical companies, like Jesus. Um, the anyway, continue. I cut across you. 
I think I was I was pretty much done. Um, okay. So we got a company town uh, being being set up on Hoytan. And just again for folks, it's it's in uh, the map is in chapter art. Uh, it'll be linked in the show notes. And uh, Hoytan is the island off to the right of your screen. Yeah. Um, that's, where, that's where we're at at the moment. Um, so you mentioned here about the attempt to set up another such town. Um, mm-hmm. I take it then the companies are... Their their new kind of modus operandi is the establishment of of these settlement towns, basically to acquire territory. That's that's their thing that they're doing. And I suppose is it is this prompted by the fact that they're now sitting on a whole bunch of people that they need to like relocate, and they're suddenly like, wait a second, let's just make towns left, right, and center. Start start like gaining territory. Um, it's uh, a pleasant coincidence. It's a pleasant coincidence. So it's something that they had kind of thought about and they were kind of toying with the idea and maybe done like a, a little bit of prep and then suddenly there was this like, they had access to this uh, workforce. At, at the risk of bringing real world politics in, into here and mm-hmm. like um, pretty contentious real world politics, um, is there, like I'm getting Israel-Palestine vibes a little bit from this with the sort of like, you know, build houses, make territory yours. Is there any, were you thinking about that at all or any commentary there at all? I wasn't really thinking about that. Um, For the most part, there aren't any other people to conflict with. Um, I mean, there's a Hoytani. Yes, for the most part, there's no no other people to conflict with. Hoytan would be an exception to that because there is Hoytani people there. But a lot of these towns, they're just going to be built in like the big, big empty expanses between the Abeski cities. Right, right, right. So so uh, do you think my uh, analogy there is kind of apt in regards to Hoytan of the kind of Israel-Palestine sort of vibe? Because uh, it immediately struck me as that. Not really, because mm. the Hoytani are, um, they're not fully nomadic, but they, they kind of, they have a, a somewhat nomadic kind of situation. Um, and their their fixed locations are are further inland and away, and they're not really that's not being interfered with. It's they're not like building over where the Hoytani live, but they are kind of taking over an area where they would pass through seasonally. So I would it's probably a bit more like the colonization of America, maybe. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I found it interesting as well that the the letter talks. Because I would have assumed, right, the way this would have played out would, would be like you send a bunch of people, um, mm. disparate people, to this settlement. And there are problems because of that, you know. Mm. Some of them are agitators, some of them don't want to be there, some of them do want to be there and might start resenting the people who don't want to be there, etc. But you, you basically say that that's not a problem. And the, the, the biggest issues are with the actual company employees. So that's a tact <laughs> that I didn't realize um, you would kind of go for and i guess i am i i see how that can arise right a bunch of board company people with nothing to do under like strict orders to act and be certain ways whatever i can see how that can lead to problems but the notion that like the the mixing of populations have has like just been fine is kind of weird to me it doesn't sure. feel it doesn't feel realistic if i may criticize uh, criticize away criticize mm. away thoughts um so any one who's been found of like 
outright agitation um, and involvement in the insurrection in Lansk is probably in a straight up prison or is like mm. digging digging holes under armed guards somewhere. So they're not going to be the ones that are going to be sent out here. It's more people who um, are kind of on the periphery or people who, as I said, just don't have um, uh, don't have anywhere left to go because of the damage to the to the city. So this is they've been like shipped off here. Um, it's also that maybe they're not aware of what has been going on among the the population. Maybe there has been uh, agitation, but they they've kept it quiet so far, and mm-hmm. um, that okay. they're biding their time. Okay. Okay, you make mention at the end about like th- those people who who try to escape, mm-hmm. um, and flee or whatever. Um, the you talk about the fear for fear of encountering an Orzelk or worse, they they don't wish to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, what's an Orzelk again for for previous um, for new listeners is basically it's a bear with antlers, more or less, yeah. So it's a, it's a hoitani, a fearsome hoitani beast. Mm. So what resembles is, what, a bear with antlers. What is worse? Do we know about this, or is that just you just trying to conjure extreme imagery? Um, we talked about this. I don't think we. Have. I, I haven't thought of another scarier monster, um, that you might find there. Uh, but you know, as I said, the people here they don't really know what it could be, and what you don't know is often scarier than what you do. Uh, and this is why the colonists or the companies have made no effort to correct the colonists' misconception about their surroundings, like the Hoitani, the Urzalk, all that crack. Exactly, yeah, because, you know, if, if all of them were scouts, then they could just, you know, it would be much easier for people to vanish into the forest and, and um, you know, not be a essentially captive labor force. Okay, and so given, so give, you see, again, this feels like a really mixed bag here. So we have the populations mixing, uh, mm-hmm. has been proven successful. They're having difficulties with the actual employees themselves, and they've mm-hmm. also had some non-zero, but like um, not very large number of people who tried to desert. Yeah. Um, I take it we're going through a teething phase here of like figuring out in real time how to make this work. So this isn't, I'm assuming, a roaring success here. And this letter is very much like, if we're going to do this again, here's the take-homes, here's what we need to improve upon to make this work a little bit more efficiently. Sure. And also consider like what their bar for success is and contentment of the people there isn't massively important to them. It's more that they get the place built is more important right now. Um, And how happy people are isn't really a huge concern as long as they're not like actually actively insurrecting or running away. Hmm. And... In terms of goals, then, what is the mm. idea that once they have a settlement established, they're just going to move further into Hoitan and build more settlements? Um, not necessarily build more settlements, um, but maybe expand this one. Long term, maybe, you know, build an actual city here and then build farms and things in, in the surrounding area to supply food. Because the, the way... Uh, that that's kind of how the Abeski is, um, the Abeski culture is at the moment. Like there's not a lot of little towns. Uh, there's big big towns. There's a few smaller towns and trading posts and things, and there's farms and but there's a lot of wilderness. Um, so it's not like a kind of a uniform 
spread of of population density. It's very, very pocketed. Mm, mm. Which would fit with the whole, like, you know, Siberia sort of vibe. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, because my, my follow-up question to that, which you kind of in part answered, was like, why? Like, what's the, what's the benefit of this? Um, and I'm assuming the benefit, based on what you said, is uh, f- farmland, essentially. That's the resource that they're exploiting. The ability to be able to create, uh, generate food. Yep. And access to whatever other resources are in Hoitan, mines or whatever. There's no, um, there hasn't been a lot of speculation for, for what its other resources are. Um, they're hoping to do that. And also there's no other example so far of uh, a city, like a big settlement, just built by a company. This would be a, this would be a unique undertaking if it gets big. It would be it would be um, the first of its kind, or wh- whatever colony succeeds and manages to grow into like a bigger city that will be entirely under the company auspices. Thoughts on the success on the success of this? Because again, at some point, I realize you say that the Hoitani are nomadic people and they're all kind of like not stepping on on their toes at the moment. But mm. eventually, if you make a big enough, you know. Uh, imprint on Hoitani land, or particularly you start speculating in the mountainous areas, you're you're going to end up annoying some Hoitani. I'm assuming. Um, yeah. So do you do you think this is going to be an ex- a successful endeavor, or will will we ever have like a um is is this going to be a city in vitro always? Um, I think it would probably be difficult in any circumstances to just build a real. Um, you know, living settlement um, on a purely commercial basis. Um, I, you know, I don't think that's the kind of thing that su- tends to succeed. Um, and they will have a lot of uh, difficulties by being not well integrated with the, the wider culture's um, infrastructure. And everything going through the 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 company with with no kind of reliable other channels for things to happen seems like it would be a recipe for for disasters. You know, single points of failure and things. Um, so I think it will be difficult. Yeah, I think it will be difficult. But but hold on, isn't there a whole bunch of examples IRL of places being set up for? Um um, what's called like trade reasons by companies like company towns and estates. Uh, absolutely, yeah. But then they um, either become actual towns, and then there are other things there, and they're more integrated with um, with the rest of the world. And you know, they get they get churches and they get banks and things that aren't solely under the control of the single company. Um, eventually, are they? the reason their economic reason dries up and then they fold sure yeah, like like coal towns and things like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. makes sense uh, but so i suppose it would be in the in, in the interest of the companies to do the former bring in set it up and then uh sell off parts to bring in other private entities like banks and stuff to run uh to run life there i'm assuming mm. is, is is the game plan okay um anything i missed in this I don't think so, no. I don't think so. Mr. Boyle. Okay. Um, Yeah, I guess... 
That's really short. So we spent 50 minutes on on follow-up. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, so we'll we'll easily spend another half an hour on, on the world building. We'll get an hour and a half show-ish. How wonderful. An hour and 15 minutes. But um, no filler here, Bill, eh? Lean, mean podcasting machine. Yeah, I don't have anything. Hold on, let me just scan again. Oh, yeah, I guess actually, you know, I do have one more thing. Mm-hmm. Um, with the with the difficulty that the companies are having with their employees, why are they so strict on them? Like, why are they uh, not allowing them to be at greater liberty to cross from the depot into the colony? Um, what's what's the issue there? Like, what are they going to like des- desert? Lo- mingling with the locals, but sure, the locals half of them want to be there anyways. Apparently, so what's the what's the problem there? I think it's. As you said, this is the beginning of something new and it's things are still finding their way and there isn't a, you know, there isn't totally joined up thinking. Um, when you're on, when you're in a depot or when, you, when you're like posted somewhere, you just have to follow, uh, you have to follow discipline, you have to follow orders, you can't just go wandering off and they haven't fully updated the, the orders to account for this new scenario. If you're like in a depot that happens to be near an existing town, then you can't just go wander in whenever you want. Um, and they were kind of thinking of, of, of that sort of situation, not accounting for the fact that Hoytan is much further away and much more isolated. Um, and what he's mm. proposing here is kind of like a pressure valve. If you give them better, greater liberty, they will like release more pressure and you'll, you'll actually probably have better. Well, that's what he's suggesting. You'll actually probably have better discipline because they'll have this time to... To, or this this opportunity to let off steam. I I would I would agree with with him on that. I think mm-hmm. um I think yeah the, the the pressure the pressure valve thing is a good analogy because if you just let if you keep people cooked up they'll end up exploding. Um, but I I think the difference here from because you you bring up the thing there about um you know if you're a military person and you're on and you're posted somewhere. Uh, you can't just go into a random town whenever you want or whatever. Um, mm. The difference here being that the um, they're functionally there's not much of a difference I can see between the depot and the colony because they're both under the same control. Like it's not some random place. It's like a place that the companies created and yeah. they also created the depot. So it's kind of, I, I it feels like one and the same thing to me. And that's why it seems odd that they can't just like move freely between one and the other. And but I think what I think what you say about the not updating protocol very quickly is is a good reason for that. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean big entities are like giant lumbering ships. It takes a long time to turn them into uh, to a different course. Sure. They don't they don't they don't pivot very readily. Um because yeah this seems uh, from a management level just dumb to like to, to, to create a situation where your biggest problems are your old employees it clearly means you've mismanaged something here yeah no, no. and um, they're, they're not exactly the same the, the depot and the, and the town the town is meant to be more of a, a, a town like that they're you know you you live there and you work there and you you know if you're a, a tailor or whatever then you know you can you can have a, a tailor shop there um you could open a general store um, but the depot is a camp, and it, it is a camp and it's warehouses. It's 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 a military base and warehouses. It's not as much of a place to live in in the sense that they're trying to make the town. Yeah, again, I hear you, but uh, you know, there's a difference between I think like uh, a U.S. base 
and a neighboring, you know, Vietnam town mm-hmm. and like a US base and a neighboring American town. Do you know? Yeah. There's like a difference in a sort of, I guess, like a military uh, threat that would occur uh, there. And I feel like what's going on here is very much akin to it's just a US base on US soil next to a US town. So the idea of like, we can't possibly let these soldiers go free is is a bit it's foolish thinking. Like, I, I agree, obviously, like, because, you know, the way the military works is that um, it is like, you know, you get very, everything's very regimented and strict and you, you will get like, you know, three hours of leave or whatever to do whatever. Um, but it's just mad that it's not a bit freer in this instance, given, given the setup. Um, mm-hmm. And again, that it's leading to problems. Um, if you think if it's leading problems, you would you would fix this uh, quick fast. Um, I wonder could we? I wonder could we be? We could hardly be in a situation here where this sit this town fails because of employee like rebellion in air quotes. Could could they annoy the 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 grunts the troops so much that they end up causing problems for them, and the people who they think would cause problems just don't. Could this um, be a scenario? Could we I get hadn't like a, considered that. Like a mutiny type thing. Like if I'm yeah. cooked up, if you're cooking me up and I can't even go to like visit, you know, Billy, Big B, the tailor in town, I'd be like, this is bullshit. God, I wish. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, yeah, maybe there's a scenario. Because, and again, geopolitically, that could be quite interesting because if you think of from a centralized sort of standpoint, you have, again, if I remember correctly, you have a bunch of these camps in mainland Lansk or whatever, um, where you're housing a bunch of people who may or may not be agitators. And then you also Mm -hmm. have a bunch of prisons who apparently, uh, where apparently, um, the actual like hardcore agitators are housed. Um, and then you have this situation here. So you almost have like kind of three ticking time bombs occurring in different places and trying to keep all those balls in the air. So none of these erupt, um, is, is quite the challenge and could lead to serious problems. Because I'm sorry, I'm talking lots, but now I'm just vibing. Because um, you could imagine if there was an employee mutiny in this fledgling town, you could easily see, I think, word getting out, and then agitators back on the mainland going, "See, this is why we agitate." If they mm-hmm. can't even treat their own employees with like dignity and respect, such that they have to uprise, of course we have to uprise, and that could like light a fire under the people who are kind of fence-sitters when it comes to the agitation. And then you could have a real, like, powder keg waiting to explode. Uh, like, internal collapse sort of thing, possibly. I don't know. What thoughts? Am I, what, what do you think of that 10-minute tirade? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's already precedent for mutiny, so, yeah. I, I hadn't specifically thought of that, but it seems reasonable. So where is the precedent for mutiny? I know we had like Yar's mutiny, but that's like a yeah. singular case. Like that's a singular ship. This isn't kind of like a. This is this seems more serious if there's mutiny in this sort of thing. Like that is that is the the company employees directly undermining not just a captain but like a a company endeavor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If it, it feels worse if something goes wrong here. I mean, it's yeah. It will be on a it will be on a bigger scale for sure. Hmm. Uh, speaking of 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 Yar uh, mm-hmm. and mutiny, wh- wh- remind me again. Where's Yar at at the moment? What's he doing with himself? Yar is sort of uh, he's kind of a privateer. 
um, working not exactly under the the company, effectively in the company, but on a sort of a legal remove, so they can say, oh, no, we didn't do that if he does anything nasty. Um, so he's just bouncing la- around the gaff, doing bad things. Last we saw was he uh, did a little war crime on... Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, a town used by Orthani traders and then uh, attacked an Orthani vessel and uh, killed the crew and destroyed the evidence. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yar being yar. Yeah. Oh dear. Not um, a good guy. Not a good guy. Um, but an interesting name. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Okay. I think that is actually all I got on this okay um that the show question mark question mark looks like we have no green room this this month i guess no we don't do green room anymore anyways because these 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 episodes are meant to be long because i'm meant to have conlang but again i I, i'm not quite ready to present you with things yet that should be hopefully uh next month hopefully um yeah okay um so folks thank you so much for watching and listening Thanks for the Reddit comments. Genuinely, the Reddit comments, I want to say it again, this month were baller. I love the the hive mind getting together and and um, hatching, hatching out ideas. What's the phrase I'm looking for? Hashing? Hashing. Hashing out ideas. Love it. Absolutely love it. So thank you for engaging there as well. Um, yeah, we will uh, see you next month. So until next time. Edgar Edgar. Edgar. <laughs> <laughs>